it is, is certainly somehow connected with the heartlessness which uh, ground up the Indians, black people, uh, immigrant laborers, poor people in general, which is motivating the cuts in social programs today. Uh, blindness to the actual living reality of people's situations. Yes, it's connected, but this is the, it's about the most hair-raising thing I think I've encountered in studying the history of my country. The slaughter of the innocents. It's the greatest slaughter of the innocents since Herod. And it goes on and on and on. And when the public gets a, a hint of it, nothing happens. Uh, the case of Price Daniel uh, is uh, instructive there. It came out in, in the custody hearing of Mrs. Daniel, who admitted to shooting her husband, that he attacked their son. And there was testimony that uh, he had relations with other adolescents. There wasn't any inquiry as to what that might mean for society. Price Daniel is one of the major names of Texas. And all these other names that we've mentioned of, of people who have been caught and let off. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any willingness to make the connections which you have implied and face them. And it's time we did, right? Yeah, you're damn right it's time we did. Uh, there needs to be police action. There needs to be action in the academy of which I am part to study this. There has to be rehabilitation for kids, and most of all, American families have got to be put on a footing where their children are not in jeopardy of being lost in this way. The whole society has got to answer for this and do something about it. If we don't, make this move, what do you think the results would be in Houston? It would get worse and worse and worse. And there'd be kids killed uh, in the dead of night and dr dumped on the highway like they are right now. It'll get worse. It'll never get better. You don't sit back and see something like this. It's history has proven that. And just watch it and it gets better. It'll get worse. Much worse. to find these 
other boys for sale documentaries. The original one I think they mentioned was from Houston. And it mentioned the host of that one getting shotgun blasts directed at them. Yep. Nearly missing him, you know, going through his windshield, um, through his window, window of his car. Um, and as it mentioned that the gentleman who did the majority of the speaking, this guy, Tom Philpot, um, was apparently a victim immediately after this aired, one day after this aired of an attempted assassination. He, he was shot. They said not, not just, uh, shot at shot and survived only to later, some years later, um, end up, dead of a gunshot wound to the head and have it ruled a suicide. He was found dead in his home and his death was ruled a suicide. I think that happened in like 1991. Um, maybe, maybe actually late 80s. Um, just stunning. I, and you can tell this guy is, you can see it in his eyes. He's just on the verge of being dead inside after coming across what he, what he's found. Um, and a person like that does not give up. They keep going. There are people like you and me. Mm -hmm. He kept going. I, I can just about guarantee that. And he paid for it with his life. Yeah, absolutely. An unsung hero. Um, wow. If I can find those other public access documentaries from Houston and Atlanta, we will watch them next week. Something tells me they're not going to be found. It's really kind of a miracle that this is even out there. All right, everybody. Um, I'm going to get set up. Please call out the Nasara people, for goodness sake. And the people with the crypto cult, good golly. Um, it's the same crowd as the March 4th people. Call them out, for God's sake. They're, they're a danger. They're a danger to the well-being of this country. If, uh, if this continues to get worse, the, the spread of that uh, the nonsense, um, I mean, we're already in deep trouble. It's, it's gotten a really, really bad hold of a lot of people. Uh, and if we don't, if we don't reverse course on that, uh, it's not a good outlook. Those are, those are supposed to be people on our side that are supposed to be fighting this stuff as it happens. And they're now sucked into this rabbit hole that will have them cheering for their own destruction. That, how terrifying is that? That's that's insane. Literally cheering. Can you imagine cheering for the Great Reset without even asking, "Is this the Great Reset?" It's it's stunning to me that they don't ask these questions. It's it just shocks me. Um, are you are you ready? You good? All right, she's ready. I'm out of here, and I will see you all uh, tomorrow. I don't know what we're gonna play tomorrow. Tomorrow's Saturday, but we'll uh, we'll play something. Hopefully, a little more lighthearted. We'll we'll go for some entertainment for Saturday afternoon because it's been a heavy week with all this. So bye-bye.
All right. Yeah, I think that it's very um, disturbing uh, listening to that. And um, I just, it's also kind of weird how that one is not as well known as the conspiracy of silence. You know, the Franklin scandal one, that one is sort of more well known in the, um, I, I guess I'd say the alternative media sphere. Most people have heard of conspiracy of silence or, um, or the book by John Daycamp, the Franklin uh, cover up. So it's just weird that that one we don't really hear about as much. I mean, the Boys Town one was in Nebraska. So this one's in Texas. It's got to be all over the country that that this is happening. All right. So we're going to go right into the show prep. I have dropped the link for everybody uh, in live chat. I'll drop it a couple more times. I see Pinata's with me. Already very good. <laughs> good to see you, Pinata. Um, just a reminder for folks to um, follow me on uh, what's it called? Telegram t.me slash radix verum because i post a lot of stuff there it's easy to use and to kind of just like drops information and links and stuff so i kind of share a lot of links on that one and then my gab i kind of use a little bit less i use that more as like a um i don't know i get a twitter maybe but i use it less than i use twitter um Okay, so and that the only reason is because I can't do threads and stuff. Like Gab doesn't have a good thread feature yet. <laughs> Hopefully they'll they'll come up with something like that. Uh, tonight's show is called Forced Vaccination Nation. And um, we're going to be talking about some pretty disturbing things um, that uh, BB has kind of put out there, right? about turning Israel into like, he, he called it vaccination nation. But when you really look at it, this is forced vaccination. They're not really giving people a choice. Um, certainly they don't want to. <laughs> and the way that they've rolled this stuff out uh, is kind of crazy. And so I, I want to cover this today because I find it stunning that uh, Jewish people who during World War II were injected with different things to try to like by Nazi experiments to try to kill them to see if it would kill them. You know, they had like uh, weird experiments done on them and not just the Jewish people, but all of the other people that were in the concentration camps. And some of those people were like political dissidents, uh, people that, um, you know, opposed the Nazi party. Some of them were like gypsies or people who were like handicapped or mentally ill. They were all kind of put in there and experimented on. So um, I find it strange that after World War II, we had the Geneva Convention where things like forced vaccination was supposed to be never happening again. I got her mic, guys. Hold on. What? Your mic's a bit hot. What's that mean? Like, oof. Oh, okay. Is that better? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, anyways, 
Yeah, uh, this is supposed to be, though, after the Geneva Convention, we were not supposed to, it was supposed to be this agreed upon thing of the nations that signed this agreement that these kinds of like, you know, forced um, medical experiments would not be allowed to occur anymore and that people would have medical autonomy, right? What, what did he want to come in and check? Oh, something with my mic, my microphone. Oh, push, push it a little further away. Your gain is up a little oh, high. Okay. You're, you're clipping. No, you're, I'm you're, talking to Pinata. Yeah, you're you're clipping on your mic, so just right. push it a little further away. It doesn't need okay. to be as close to you. Hopefully, that's better. Yeah, you'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's great. Perfect. That's good. Okay. Yeah. So I find it very interesting that of all of the people who would you would think would like question medical tyranny or um, forced vaccinations and stuff, you would think it would be Jewish people. <laughs> that they would be like, hey, wait a second. Last time uh, we were forced to do this, a bunch of us died. And we were in a concentration camp. And in a way, you could look at Israel itself as an open-air concentration camp. Huh. You know, it's interesting, too, how they're trying to concentrate all of them all of the Jewish people in one area, they are trying to get them, all of the Jews that are the diaspora around the world, they're trying to convince them all that they need to move to Israel to be safe from the far-right bigots. And so that's also kind of weird, too, because you would think, okay, well, if they're all gathered in one spot, wouldn't that kind of make them a target? Like, if you dropped a nuke on that, you could, like, kill all of them. So it's just weird, right? And I, if you've looked at like what these occultists do, part of it is trying to fulfill biblical scripture to try to make it appear like that biblical scripture is being fulfilled, or they just try to to actually fulfill it because they want to like force uh, God's hand, right? In a way, and so. I think that um, there, obviously, there's parts of the Bible that talk about um, some war that would occur that would take out like two thirds of the Jewish people. So you have to wonder if that's what they're aiming for. I just find it weird um, and kind of bizarre. But so I, I want to talk about this, though, because one of the things we're going to listen to, one of the Israeli girls, she says, well, what happens in Israel is going to happen, uh, will we'll quickly spread to the rest of the world, right? What Israel implements, the other countries are going to implement as well, um, if, especially if they're able to do it and they don't get any kind of pushback or whatever. So this is disturbing. I want people to... Um, to see what's going on. All right, so that's what we're going to talk about: forced vaccination nation, and um, the pretty disturbing things going on here. I think everybody's pretty much aware of my feelings on BB um, uh, as a criminal. We have covered uh, on other shows how he was working with the Russian mafia. We have talked about how um, thousands of Russian GRU assets were imported into Israel uh, in the 1970s to 80s, right? 
Yeah, he always has that smirk on his face. Right, that arrogant, um, the arrogant, smug uh, look to him, which is not surprising because he is a supremacist. I mean, he believes in his own uh, racial supremacy and superiority. That's a fact. He's talked about it. Um, and you can see that that's what uh, the Likud party, they, what they believe is that they are superior to others and people are only allowed to move to Israel based on their genetics if they can show that they are genetically, ethnically Jewish. So it's not like, oh, well, I've become, you know, I, I follow the Jewish religion or I've um, converted to Judaism. I can move to Israel now. No, no. it's based on your ethnic background Mm-hmm. I mean, they well, they Your even race. say, yeah, it's like it's like if your mother is not was not Jewish and not ethnically Jewish, you are there is no way you will ever be viewed to them as Jewish. That's right. Even if you do convert, they they do say that. Yeah. So you can look at that as okay. So that's an. I had a question state. about that. Um, yeah. Is look, we're not. I don't want. I don't. We don't need to expand upon all of the stuff that could be said here, but what, okay. For, from liquid, liquid, right. Liquid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Likud. From that, uh, and, you know, g- geography matters here because this is about, um, pre or world war one. Right. Uh, in kind of that whole Ashkenazi tie-in yeah. in that area, ethnic, uh, Russian ethno states and kind of moving and then moving down through Israel through, um, what, 1947 that was the date of the, the that was when it was um, dec- the, the declaration right when it was, was founded yeah when right. the state of israel was founded but um the the russian um uh move the russians moving into israel happened more around the um the 70s and 80s because while the soviet union did help the state of israel become founded and they helped in the six-day war after that there was um, a falling out, a brief falling out between the Soviet Union and Israel because the Soviets had been supporting Arab nations and essentially turning them into Soviet satellites. So they were like, well, you know, this kind of uh, puts us in a bind because technically these are Russian satellite states. I don't know how many people know that, right? That is Iran that, is that was a Soviet the, satellite. Is that why we get some of the cooperation from Saudi Arabia with, with, uh, with Russia and the Middle East? Yes. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. they, and Saudi that's Arabia the, that's the tie-in. Well, that's the, this is the, the, the historical and, and geopolitical tie-in. I, I, I wanted to kind of, you know, for me myself, but also for the audience to understand why, why, why we're bringing that up and why it's going to be, you know, uh, pertinent yeah. here. Right. And you could also look at Ukraine, right? Ukraine, modern day Ukraine. Uh, if you go back and you look at older maps, that is where, where Kazaria used to be, where I think the Ashkenazi comes from. So I find this also kind of interesting. If you look at the, uh, the, the neo-Nazis in Ukraine, the Azov Battalion. There's a couple other ones. I don't remember the names off the top of my head, but they were actually being supported and armed by Israel. Isn't that a little weird too? Why is that? Why would Israel be arming Ukrainian neo-Nazis? 
And then I think, well, Israel's an ethno state that believes in its ethnic supremacy, and neo Nazis believe the same thing. And that is that land is where their ancient homeland of Kazaria is. So that could have something to do with uh, why perhaps they're interested in supporting Ukraine. I just find that bizarre. Balfour Declaration. Uh, yes, um, that, of course, with Rothschild. So I, we have to, people have to understand that modern Israel was founded by the Rothschild family. They are occultists, black magicians from the Babylonian time. That's what they practice, is the Babylonian Talmud. That's what they follow. The Talmud is not the word of God. This is written by rabbis. It's different from the Torah, which is the first, I think, five books of the Old Testament. And this is the, the Mosaic tie-in. law. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the tie-in to um, the magic part uh, is tied into the whole fascination that people have with like the media tie-in, which um, we, we, we've seen this. It's when you control the narrative, it's a control of reality, which is a form of, of, of basic it's, it's a form of magic. It's That's, wizardry. Yeah. It, it, right. So it's, it is, it is, it's sorcery on the, on, on that level. And I, you know, I'm not making a broad like accusation. I'm, I'm just saying that, that from that word magic from, and, and from what has been is, is alleged and, is pretty much not disproven. Let's just say that, (laughs) Uh, you know, that's, that's part of the reason why we had that whole, like, uh, what was it? That one to one to one. And then the whole structure versus of the, um, the, the media server. Yeah. And the, and the, and the narrative going out to all the different, uh, Yes, media right. sites and things like that, and it came MOS that, and the Q post, yep, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. And yeah. so when you, yeah, and like what you're saying, when you, if you know the history of that particular government, we're not talking about people, we're talking about government and the people that control that government, and we know, you know, we know that all too well here in this country about you can have all the people you want in those positions, but ultimately there's a, there's a a huge swath that are beholden to people that are, that are above them somehow. The the, the people that are the puppeteers. Um, so it's, that's what, that's specifically what I'm referencing. Yeah. And you know, you that's what people need to understand too, is that the modern state of Israel is not the same as biblical Israel. Number one, number two, it, it was founded and created by Jakob Rothschild. He, uh, or his grandfather, I think. Um, and he basically is the main Rothschild now. Um, I think that Nathan Rothschild is going to be taking over for him as the, the main head of the household. Uh, I, I, that seems where it's going. Um, and so uh, right now, that is who is essentially who runs Israel because the Israeli government is not in charge of it. They're not. They did not secure the Balfour Declaration. That was Rothschild. And so I think people need to understand that there is 
a hidden hand that basically controls Israel and the, for the purpose of attempting to force fulfillment of biblical prophecy. They have their reasons for this, but that's what they've been trying to do for a long time. And so um, keep that in mind. You know, it's not like most Israelis, most Jewish people that live in Israel have nothing to do with any of this, and they don't even know about it. In fact, they're some of the most brainwashed people in the world because the Israeli military controls the media and what the meat, their local media, what it's allowed to talk about. So um, because they have different national security laws and stuff. It's very different um, than uh, what I guess what you would expect. So they they don't know any of this stuff. Most of them. Some of them do, though. I, in fact, in, in recent uh, years, they have been trying to um, challenge the Lakud party. They've been trying to, uh, they've been protesting Bibi. They've been trying to get, uh, his war crimes investigated. Now that's actually, um, finally potentially happening with the ICC. And so I think that's interesting, but they've been protesting and stuff. I don't know how, I don't think the mainstream American news covers this, but what's going on in Israel, there's a lot going on. And um, there's a lot of Jewish people there that don't support the, um, the, what the state is doing and try to push back against it, but they just can't. So keep that in mind. Um, that's what we're going to get into tonight. And I, I hope you guys find this uh, interesting. I encourage everybody, listen all the way through because the stuff that they're rolling out in Israel now under the guise of COVID is what they're going to be rolling out everywhere else. And they're, in fact, they're already doing this in, in some other countries, um, doing kind of the same policies and the same kind of rollout. And as we'll see, um, Israel is trying to lead the world with COVID vaccinations under the guise of tikkun olam, healing the world, the Jewish people healing the world. Uh, tikkun olam is a Kabbalistic thing, and um, they basically think that the, they are special, and so they have to heal and fix everybody, and everybody else is broken and, and inferior to them. So I, I'm going to be going into that a little bit um, tonight. So that's what where this image comes from. This was Bibi when he was supposedly getting his COVID vaccine on camera. Um, people have debated whether or not that was even a real vaccine. Because if you watch the video clip, um, it, it just looks like it's that there's nothing really in there. It was just kind of weird. It, it could be a saline solution for all we know, but the, the kind of smug look on his face, like fooled you, <laughs> you know, that's like what it says to me. And this image here actually comes from, uh, I think one of the Chabad, uh, websites that talks about like their Kabbalistic idea of could, Takun alum healing the world. They have a band-aid over top of the entire world. And so that's kind of bizarre. And I, I want to get into that tonight because um, we've talked about Chabad and its connections to the mafia, the international uh, criminal syndicate, the Jewish mafia, 
the Russian mafia and how it, it uses like uh, that it's a, a religious group. That's like its cover, but it's really not. I mean, when you look into Chabad and its political power, it appears to be, um, you know, just a cover for espionage and um, potentially criminal activity, smuggling. So um, I want people to, to keep that in mind as we uh, get into this, because you have to make these distinctions, you know, um, and I encourage everybody to research Chabad Lubavitch on your own, because when we talk about like Islam and political Islam and how they kind of use their religion as a cover for a political ideology, where it's a kind of the same thing with Chabad. So uh, that's where, um, we're, where we're going tonight. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. You guys know what this represents? Well, maybe just the You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. What's going on, Mr. President? You'll find out. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. America is governed by Americans. An infiltration instead of invasion. On subversion instead of elections. On intimidation instead of free choice. The corporate media in our country is no longer involved in journalism. For them, it's a war. And for them, nothing at all is out of bounds. Man will be what he was born to be. Free and independent. That's hilarious, Dale, Joe, and the Ho. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, and uh, WTF Anon put out there that um, basically Kamala Harris took um, a call with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, just for Joe Biden. She just went ahead and she's like now apparently uh, talking to foreign leaders on behalf of Joe. So it's, it, they tried to take away his war powers so that he was not the only, ones, only one with the nuclear codes. They're actually trying to give part of that to Congress. That I find very disturbing because um, think about how many people in Congress are bought and paid for and owned. You want to give them the nuclear codes? Hmm. We have a new psalm for everybody tonight. Psalm 5. Psalm 5. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God. 
offer to you, I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. For you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With you, evil people are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong and destroy those who tell lies. The bloodthirsty and deceitful you, Lord, detest. But I, by your great love, can come into your house. In reverence I bow down toward your holy temple. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. Not a word from their mouth can be trusted. Their heart is filled with malice. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues, they tell lies. Declare them guilty, O Lord. Let their intrigues be their downfall. Banish them for their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Amen. 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 Okay, so I just wanted to include this again because it's just so like, uh, he's so smug and arrogant. You know, he it's it's like he doesn't care. He thinks he really does think that like he can get away with anything. That's what his face says. Okay, so uh, we're going to play this message from Lana Rachel in Israel. Intense over here in Israel. I don't know how much you're seeing, but they, uh, it's terrible. It's, it's a very, 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 very frightening situation. So we want to ask all the international, anywhere we can get, to get to publicize what we are saying. Um, it's a very bad situation here. They're not letting children as young as 16 to take their matriculation exams without taking this injection. They are, of course, insisting people for work. They're making this green passport where half the population cannot get into uh, theaters or malls or all sorts of things unless they've taken the vaccination. They're creating a medical apartheid. Um, they have now issued, just this morning, they made it that they're allowed to send each person's private medical records to the local municipality so that they'll know who's taken the injection or not. They're making people wear a, a ankle bracelet, security bracelet, when they come back from 
traveling. It's absolutely insane. It's absolutely insane. If I don't, if I stop to... <laughs> if I stop to think about it, I will cry, you know? meantime we just keep fighting you know fighting as much as we can so we need everybody's help because whatever happens here will happen everywhere will happen everywhere so we're fighting for ourselves and we're fighting for the whole world but we need help so i need every bit every everything every hand on deck yeah thank you excuse me <laughs> it's intense you know Okay, so um, in her message there, she says that she talks about how they're um, setting up this green passport, which is essentially a COVID passport. Um, and she's saying that now when people are traveling and they come back, they have to wear ankle bracelets. You know, I, I in the beginning, kind of can, compared it to an open-air concentration camp. Is it not like an open-air prison where you can't travel, and if you do, you have to wear an ankle bracelet? And all of everybody's medical information, personal information is being shared with uh, everyone, with stores, with corporations, you know, the, when you're trying to do business, I mean, that's what she was saying that going, you can't go into a restaurant to eat without them seeing your personal medical history. So there's no privacy or anything like that. Um, and if you don't want to get the vaccine, you're basically made a um, a second class citizen, as she called it, like medical apartheid, and that's you know a, an interesting term for it. But it, it's the same thing as just medical tyranny. You become a second class citizen unless you go along with their program. Intense. Okay, so um, here we have uh, from Haretz. Um, can Israel force people to get vaccinated for COVID? Legal experts weigh in. This is just from February 13th of this year. Israel has precedents for enforcing COVID vaccinations, but attempts to compel citizens to get the jab or to impose sanctions will encounter hurdles, experts say. Oh, well, I'm really? wondering, I, I just saw something here. Um, did you hear? Did you know that uh, Bill Gates had a genomics firm uh, really? that they that they're mining DNA through COVID tests? What? So what? You know what? A better way to get all this information, all this medical information from like the the entire population of the planet, essentially, and and maybe that's where they're going with this this whole thing. They have everyone's data. Well, maybe they don't. And this is the way that they're going to try to force everyone to get, have their data because, and this is, this is the mark. This is the mark of the beast because if they are able to, they don't have to necessarily put something in you. They just need to know about you and then they can eliminate you from decent society. Yeah, that's right. That doesn't, there's no longer about some putting something in you anymore. It's always, to me, it, it shifted to 
um, not letting you participate based upon you don't have, they don't need to have some physical thing in you. Um, and that's, that seems to me where this is going. Yeah. And this and is why it's so, and this is why it's going to be so important to have the whole, you know, <laughs> parallel economy. I, I think I just saw yep. on Gab or something like that. Torb is considering literally buying a bank because they, they keep getting uh, their banking shut down. Yeah. I mean, good Lord. Yeah. We have to create the counter economy. Dearman said, Alan Dershowitz said the military can drag you out of your house and plunge a needle into your arm constitutionally. Yeah. That is a lie. Dershowitz is a clown and clearly an Israeli asset. You know, what was he doing with Jeffrey Epstein? Bingo. Yep. So, of course, Dershowitz says that. I mean, how disgusting. That's like basically saying it's, you know, constitutional for somebody to rape you, to forcibly penetrate you. That's what they're saying, that you're not allowed to have bodily autonomy anymore. And then if that's the case, where does it stop? It won't stop at vaccines then it will be other choices will be made for you. Maybe they will choose to uh, abort one of your pregnancies because you no longer have bodily autonomy. Right? So um, the COVID pandemic sweeping the globe and the wave of conspiracy theories, look at how the Israeli press talks about this on its origins and the dangers of vaccinating against it may be a new phenomenon, but the legal questions that have arisen around it in Israel are not. About seven years before the pandemic spread, Supreme Court Justice Esther Hyatt, who now heads the institution, ruled that it is legal to impose sanctions on anti-vaxxers, who at the time had trained their sights on efforts to curb the country's measles outbreak. So the Israeli Supreme Court had previously ruled that you can impose sanctions on people who don't want to get a vaccination. You can sanction them, meaning you can turn them into second-class citizens. And so this is now the head of the Supreme Court in Israel. And I'm sure you guys have seen what the um, Israeli Supreme Court building looks like, right? The uh, pyramid yeah. On, uh, with the light shining through it. Yeah, it's um, very disturbing. All right, so here we have a video. Uh, Israel leads vaccinations, the, the world and vaccination um, rollouts, basically. And so uh, <laughs> I this is coming from Voice of America. They're covering this. And I just want to say that, um, you know, I f you have to feel for these people, right? The uh, Israeli citizens, because they really have been so propagandized and not just propagandized, but like beat over the head, Um beat over the head with the Holocaust. Uh, it, 
that is the truth. Um, where from the time they're kids, they're told like everybody hates you except other Jewish people. And, you know, it's just like very bizarre programming where they think that like everyone wants to kill them. Um, hmm, I had, yeah, there, there's some recent organizations that mirror some of that. It's weird. Yep, exactly. And I went to school with uh, some Jewish kids in South Florida. And, um, you know, one of them, he, from the time he was young, had to go to like the Jewish community center, the JCC, where they're indoctrinated, you know, into um, thinking that like they're, they're just beaten over the head with the Holocaust as kids and told everybody like hates you and wants to kill you. And then the JCC, when they're teenagers, encourages them to do a birthright trip to Israel. So he went on one of these birthright trips to Israel. He stayed there for like nine months and they were trying to like get him to join they're like IDF forces. And the, the way that it happened, like they took him around this tour of the country, a guided tour by Israeli military, IDF people, but they had um, most of the people leading the tours were female IDF soldiers. So they tried to seduce them with these girls, uh, these IDF girls, and it's just very bizarre. And then they try to tell them, like, we need you to, to, to join the IDF because you, we have to protect Israel. You know, everyone wants to kill us. Our neighbors on all sides hate us. And they don't tell them that they have 200 nukes, right? They don't tell them that the U.S. military is fighting Israel's battles for it. So these kids think that like, I, they feel like they have some kind of duty to like protect uh, Israel and the Jewish people. It's just bizarre. So he stayed in Tel Aviv for like nine months and then came back. And uh, it's just very creepy stuff. The brainwashing that goes on and it, you know, yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> just saying, so I, f I feel bad for a lot of these people. Cause I think that they're probably from the same way, like, you know, from the time they're kids, they're propagandized and it's just like fear driven into them of everybody else that isn't Jewish. And so here, of course, if, if the state tells them to get a vaccine, they're going to do it. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was first getting the vaccine live on primetime Israeli television, followed by senior Israeli officials. I thought it was important to set a personal example so all Israelis would uh, go and vaccinate themselves, because I think that if we do this together, we'll beat the corona and sooner than people expect. Israel quickly rolled out its vaccination campaign, with more than a quarter of a million Israelis vaccinated in the first week. Prime so he, if you listen to what he said, is that he, he said, oh, I felt it was important to do this so that everybody else does it too. <laughs> you know, we want every, the whole country, we want to get vaccinated. And here is like an elderly man um, being vaccinated 
that's really sad. That's really sad. Because, uh, again, we've talked about this before. There are no long-term studies with these vaccines. And there are people who have died after they have gotten them that have immediately died after rece having received a vaccine. There are other um, you know, side effects as well. Minister Netanyahu says that Israel will be the first country to eradicate COVID-19, a goal public health officials say is possible. The reason Israel can do that is because Israel has a very, very sound uh, public health care system. Our and I just want to point out here the Lancet on the wall behind him. The Lancet was the one that did the... Um, the fake paper against hydroxychloroquine, remember? The Lancet published a study claiming that uh, hydroxychloroquine could kill people and that it was bad and that it didn't really work on COVID. And then it came out that that study was, um, was garbage and that the people who wrote it we're basically being paid by pharmaceutical companies. So I'm just saying, look at what's, you know, he's got a, an award from the Lancet on the wall behind him as he's speaking. System is basically public and it's being uh, run by one of the four healthcare funds. You can choose your own healthcare fund. They must accept you and they provide you with a very, very good healthcare basket, by the way, including Corona tests for free and including the vaccination. So what he just said there was that their entire public health system is essentially like a socialist system. There are four choices. Oh, you get a choice, but it's four basically state-run choices there and he's saying and we'll test you for free gee i i wonder why you know when somebody does something for free what does that usually tell you <laughs> you know oh my goodness it tells you you're the product and i it's it's so upsetting just seeing these people line up for this stuff you know they're they just line right up to take this stuff unquestioningly jerusalem's arena sports stadium israelis seemed pleased with the efficient vaccination campaign although less pleased with the lockdown and upcoming election it's highly organized from the time we walked in till we were inoculated took 20 minutes 25 minutes or so it's been wonderful I don't think they've had the courage to make some of the decisions that they needed to have made. But uh, so as far as the vaccinations are concerned, they, they, they've handled it very well. It is ironic that as we had positive news about what people are calling the beginning of the end of the pandemic, that we were then hit over the head with this scourge of, uh, of a fourth election. Interesting, right? Um, you know, I find it very, uh, very sad because think about it too. Like you would expect the the Jewish people to be the most um, skeptical about a mass vaccination program with something that doesn't have any long term health studies on it. You'd think that they would be a little bit concerned that like 
hey, maybe we're being used as guinea pigs again. But unfortunately, that's not the case. And um, for people thinking that, like, that Israel is a democracy, it's not. It's a socialist country. That is a fact. You can look that up yourself. Um, I had a book uh, that was written by a Jewish American. He is an American Jew who moved to Israel. Uh, Jack Berkman, I think, was his name. He moved to Israel for a little bit. Um, and then he ended up coming back to America and he wrote a book called like my time as an American in Marxist Israel. And he, I think he called it like racist Marxist Israel. And, uh, it, it's a really good book for anyone who thinks that, um, it's a, uh, it's a democracy. That's not true. It's a Marxist country. So um, I encourage folks to look that book up, My Time in Marxist Racist Israel, I believe is what the, the title of that book is. And so um, just so that people know that they have socialized medicine uh, in Israel and it, you get four choices of like, it's very similar to Obamacare, right? This is essentially state run and that's exactly the reason why it should be questioned and why people should be skeptical of it. Governments have killed their own citizens more than anything else in the 20th century alone. Millions of people murdered by their own governments. Medical experimentation done. Um, you know, obviously, MK Ultra is just one of those where you, you could see that, that these were unwitting experiments done on people without their knowledge or approval. And look where that's gotten us since nothing was done about that. Now this is where we are. Where I am doubtful that results will be any better. In the upcoming March election, Prime Minister Netanyahu hopes Israelis will remember the successful vaccination campaign more than the economically destructive three lockdowns. Linda Gradstein for VOA News, Jerusalem. Okay, so uh, as you can see, people are not really uh, questioning this stuff um, in Israel. They're just kind of like lining up and going along with it. Um, pretty disturbing. A, a small group is, though, uh, like the, the lady that we listened to um, right after the psalm and what she was saying. And I have another video with her in here as well that we'll watch. Um, yeah, here we have Austria forges vaccine alliance with Denmark in Israel. And so, you know, think about it. She was saying, like, what happens, what they're doing in Israel, they're going to just do it to every, you know, they're going to rule that out um, with every other country in the world. Okay, so this is just three days ago. Austria broke ranks with the EU on Tuesday, vowing to work together with Israel and Denmark to produce vaccines against COVID mutations. So is this like another vaccine? You are you going to have to get multiple vaccines for all the different variations of COVID? Where does it end? 
Chancellor Sebastian Kurz said Austria and Denmark would team up with Israel to create second-generation jabs and research treatment options. I love that they just all keep calling it jabs. It's like they don't want to use clinical words for it because they want it to sound um, innocent or innocuous. They don't want to call it a vaccination. They're calling it jabs. Does anyone find that kind of weird? Why not use its clinical name? Why call it a jab? Is this supposed to be like we're talking to children here? I guess that's what they think of us as children. That, and that they have to talk to us like we're in kindergarten. <sighs> The announcement is a rebuke to the EU's joint vaccination procurement program for member states. The project has been criticized for being too slow to agree deals with manufacturers. Production problems and supply chain issues have slowed deliveries to the block, delaying vaccine rollouts. Kerr said the European Medicines Agency has been too slow to approve vaccines and criticized supply holdups from pharmaceutical companies. He claimed that Austria will have to vaccinate 6 million people annually in the coming years, which is two-thirds of the population. We must therefore prepare for further mutations and should no longer be dependent only on the EU for the production of second-generation vaccines, Kurz said. So you can see what they're doing here, right? How they're setting this up as oh it's not going to be one time vaccine it's going to be an annual vaccine it's going to be multiple vaccines for multiple variations you know and and what do you bet it's not going to be something that's going to protect you for something what do you want to bet it's going to be for something that you can no longer produce yourself and you are reliant on like uh let's i don't know let's just take this for for example like a uh, like a diabetes or insulin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's creepy and it's just, we all know that this has nothing to do with COVID. We all know that COVID is simply like a, a harsh flu. There's no reason that people would need to be vaccinated like this when there's a 99.8% survival rate. Israel trip. The Austrian chancellor is due to travel to Israel this week with Danish prime minister Matt Fredriksen to see the country's rapid vaccine rollout up close. The pair will inspect pharmaceutical firms distributing vaccines and speak to scientists and physicians. That's nice. So interesting that there are apparently pharmaceutical companies in Israel producing vaccines. Huh. All right, let's go back to the show prep. Okay, so this is an interview um, with the girl that we were listening to uh, earlier. 
Uh, it, it, the shoe is the one talking about uh, calling it like a, a medical apartheid of what they're doing. Uh, this is the lady, and um, it's her political party is called Repa Party, and so she's being interviewed, and, and you can listen to like the guy interviewing her is clearly, um, you can tell by his attitude. He's he's obviously trying to. Um, kind of denigrate her in this in this interview and for more on the green pass plan of the government we're joined by ilana rachel daniel she's a candidate and the english spokesperson for the rape party campaigning in the upcoming elections as israel's new health ministry that also opposes the green pass system um, so thanks for coming on. Uh, you may see that around the world there doesn't seem to be any safe way of opening the economy or the school system. And uh, the only way that we see to, to, to do that safely is to open it to people who have been vaccinated. Then so he's already setting up the interview on a false premise. This is an Israeli a media talking head and so as you can see um the way that he starts out the interview is like oh the only way that anything could ever open back up again that we can ever go back to normal is for everybody to get the vaccine yeah it's just the, the whole premise of that that's just there and they use the whole death count as a predication for that right the whole died with or of right yep yeah. and and even then they still haven't proved they're able to pick out um covid from any other case and that's and that's <laughs> right? and, and and then that is and that is um evident because the flu has disappeared that's what i was just gonna say so, there so are the, no it, flu it, deaths and i think and i can't remember where this article came from but it's it's been a couple of months since it was really brought up there they have not there's supposedly whenever there's a new virus or strain or something like that or um you know or a new something new comes on they're supposed to be able to 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 um laboratorily prove and then they have specific standards even within the who that, that that shows that this is a specific thing this is the designation and this is the markers and they haven't done that as far as i'm aware no i don't think so it, which means that they they that all the testing they cannot if they cannot identify it that way then they cannot say that it is it is what it is and this is why you have such a, so many cases yeah and so many and i'm talking this is in this is in addition to the, the the PCR cycles, yeah. So I just you know. Or, I mean, I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry. It's 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 separate from the PCR cycles. Sorry. Yeah, it's the it's just nonsense. I mean, there's no um, there's no end to this, and it, it's just a flat out a lie. It's clearly about controlling the population, and um, you know she's going to talk about uh, the mrna research anyways and how 
how recent that kind of is and how there should be um, like debate within the medical community, not consensus, because he keeps trying to say, well, the medical consensus is or the consensus is or that, you know, it's it's well established or whatever. And she's like, no, that's not really how science works. <laughs> so um, I just don't like that. You know, you can tell he has like contempt in his voice. He's trying to mask it so that he appears uh, like he's being a respectful um, interviewer, but you can tell he has contempt for her and her ideas. And the way that he's setting up his questions are, they're based on false premises. New details coming uh, from the health ministry that it's preventing 95% of sickness among people who are vaccinated and 99% among uh, of mortality among people are vaccinated. What is your alternative plan to that? I think that there, hello, I think that there's any uh, myriad of uh, alternative ways to open up the economy. I think that what we're discussing is a well-known, historically risky technology that has zero long-term existing safety studies and it does not even have FDA approval. So to move forward as if this is our only option is is, is simply not um, is not backed up by science. There's a number of different ways that we could talk about that we haven't begun to discuss of prophylactic and acute treatments in order to safely open up the economy for everyone. Well, the vaccine does have FDA approval and there haven't been any significant- No, it, it doesn't. It has, it has FDA authorization, emergency authorization. It is not approved. But the, that, but All the, vaccines go through usually- Yeah, but at that, least that, that authorization it was went over by many, many doctors and health officials that deemed it to be safe and- Listen to the sniveling little- this, He's not very good at this job. I'm sorry, this guy is not very good. No, he's not because it's th this is like state run media. It just like, um, and you know, Soviet propaganda and Soviet state run media that the Communist Party did. That's what like this is because again, okay, well, their military controls their media and what they're allowed to say and talk about. Okay, now, now contrast this with uh if anderson cooper said the same thing it, it, i'm just saying it would be the it would be more believable because he's better at it i'm i'm, I'm just i'm just saying That's that as true. a fact and you know what i'm saying oh yeah but this That's is true. like very bad acting but yep. that's you know yeah and he just like he comes off as um as rude you know and as obsequious so she's like, nope, that's not true. Nope. For it to have FDA approval, it should be part of a 10-year clinical trial, and that's not happened. And he's like, but people said, but many doctors said. It's, oh, my God. Being treated on thousands and thousands of people, it hasn't shown any significant side effects, uh, especially when you compare it to the amount of people who we can see with our own eyes who are dying or who are uh, getting really ill with coronavirus. It seems like surely that must be the far better alternative uh, than not being vaccinated because of some potential side effect that we, we can't really see in, in the data that we but have. I'm not, 
I'm not sure that that's true that we don't really see because I have not seen a real clear published data of, of any adverse reactions. If you look at the VAERS, which is a, uh, used in the um, CDC in the United States, we see a list of more than 650 people who died and um, more than 1,000, maybe 500 who've had serious injuries. So we actually haven't seen here the data of, of what sort of adverse reactions happen. Uh, we have been recorded. Uh, we know that there's, outside of whatever people are turning to for, for medical attention, uh, there's no follow-up. There's no list of side effects to look out for and who to call for them. So, uh, you know, it's it's not really based on, on, on solid material to be able to go ahead and create a second-class citizenry before our very eyes um, on the basis of, of, of wishful thinking. <laughs> That is awesome. That was pretty funny. And I think that she's right. I mean, what she was saying is that if you go look at what the CDC in the United States is putting out, they actually have a process for reporting adverse reactions to the vaccine. Israel does not have any of those uh, reporting processes. So she's saying we really don't know there could be people having adverse reactions to it, but they don't know who to report it to, what to look for, what the symptoms are, and th there's just like nothing out there about it. Well, your party, you're campaigning as the alternative health ministry. Uh, that's also something that a lot of people may seem as problematic, that you're challenging like that, a, a health authority of the government that employs... Problematic to challenge a government health authority. Oh, my goodness. Dozens and dozens of, uh, of doctors and health officials who have gone over all this information, and you essentially are saying, no, listen to us, we're replacing them in this campaign. Um, I don't know if it's as easy to say replacing. Science is a dynamic living entity. You have to, it's not an ideology that you hold to. It's something that you have to learn and keep learning and change your um, your. Uh, implementation and policy accordingly on a daily basis, and and because there's only there's a few group of scientists saying one thing, we have to look at the others who have honestly the the history of mRNA technology is is really rather bumpy and it's it's decades long and there's a huge discussion and I think the argument here is not don't take this injection. I the argument is is purely a human rights one, which is we all get to choose. My bodily autonomy is the most essential of human rights. And I get to make that risk-benefit analysis. I get to see all the science before me, all the options of treatment, and then I get to choose what's best for me and for my children. And, and that's really the entirety of the argument, is not don't use this treatment and yes, use this one. It's let's look at it all, let's keep growing, and let's keep adding and enriching okay. that knowledge. All right, well, uh, thank you uh, so much for... Okay, so you can tell he's just not really, like, he's not going to follow up on any of that stuff that, that she talked about. So um, I, I'm pretty sure it was after this interview that they stripped the head of her party of his medical license and did a bunch of other shady stuff. So that's nice. Um, for coming on. 
All right. So uh, this is what one of the things that she talked about, though, the green badge plan, uh, Israel's green badge plan to open services to vaccinated stirs concern. Ugh, gee, I, I wonder why. Oh, my word. Like, I, I just wonder what what could people be upset or concerned about? Israel, the global leader, listen to this, the global leader in COVID vaccinations per capita. So Israel is the global leader of vaccinating people en masse. It is the fear. That's right. Has launched a green badge plan to reopen services to those fully inoculated, stirring controversy about unequal access to those who opt out of the jabs. Once again, another publication using the same terminology, the jabs. The country of about 9 million people Tuesday delivered a shot of the Pfizer slash BioNTech vaccine to its four millionth citizen. More than 2.6 million of them have already received the second jab recommended for maximum protection. Due partly to the rapid vaccination push, Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu's government has announced a timetable to lift lockdown restrictions and reopen long shuttered services, such as swimming pools and restaurants. But the privilege of accessing such joys of life won't immediately be given to everyone, only to those who hold a so-called green badge as proof that they received both jabs administered at least 21 days apart. Isn't that nice? The badge which will also be given to those who have recovered from the virus will from Sunday also allow its holders to enter gyms, cultural events, houses of worship and hotels. We are moving ahead with the responsible opening of the principle of you're vaccinated, you're in, Defense Minister Benny Gantz said on Monday. Yeah. You're vaccinated, you're in. Some facilities like malls and museums will open Sunday to all citizens with or without a green badge under a so-called purple code with crowd size limits and other restrictions that have applied through much of the pandemic. Delicate balance. While many countries, both rich and poor, continue to struggle with vaccine supply, Israel has maintained a full stock of the Pfizer product, thanks largely to an agreement, listen to this, to share data on its impact with the company. So they're giving away their citizens' private information to Pfizer. They're essentially treating them as guinea pigs, and it's interesting that the CEO of Pfizer is not vaccinated himself. A study from the country's largest healthcare provider, Clalit, 
of 600,000 people who received both Pfizer shots showed a 94% reduction in symptomatic infections. Those results have given the government confidence that it can begin to reopen while avoiding the disastrous missteps of last year when a hasty lifting of a lockdown brought new waves of new cases and longer economically painful closures. But a guy Levine, a public health professor and researcher at Jerusalem's Hebrew University, stressed Israel's vaccination-dependent reopening plan required a delicate balance between public health needs and individual freedoms. What freedoms? There is also a right not to be vaccinated, he told AFP. I think people should do it, but you cannot force them, he added, noting that those who opt out inevitably risk being denied certain services. Levine also stressed that the vaccination push was playing a starring role in Netanyahu's re-election pitch ahead of the March 23rd vote. So he's using this to campaign on. Netanyahu's pandemic response has faced criticism, initially over his decision to reopen the economy too quickly as the first infection wave ebbed. More recently, he's come under pressure over failures to crack down on ultra-Orthodox Jews, the premier's political allies, many of whom have openly flaunted lockdown rules. The veteran premier is hoping his success in vaccine procurement and rollout will help him keep his job, even as polls suggest he may struggle to forge a majority. Yeah, how long has he ruled that country with an iron fist? Levine, who briefly considered running for parliament with an anti-Netanyahu party, said the Green Badge Initiative is it, and its possible economic benefits are clearly part of Netanyahu's campaign to get reelected. Launching it quickly, without a real public education campaign less than six weeks before the vote, creates a risk that it will not be done professionally and could make people feel forced to get a jab, he said. Yeah, a jab. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of sick of uh, hearing that word, you know? <laughs> Good Lord. Okay, so obviously, um, I, I want everybody to consider, too, that uh, as was said, um, this is going to, whatever happens there is kind of going to be... Uh, rolled out everywhere else. If it's successful in Israel, if they can force people to get the, the basically the COVID passport, um, they're going to try to implement that here in America. Make no mistake about it. That's the goal. All right, let me pull up um, these uh, things here. All right, so we're not going to read the whole article here, but just to show everybody... Uh, Israel is demonstrating medical apartheid, not vaccine leadership. The media is abuzz these days with headlines such as how Israel became a world leader in vaccinating against COVID, while the U.S. has so far vaccinated only 1.3% of its population against COVID. Israel has already given the vaccine to over 14% of its citizens. 
In explaining this, the media cites Israel's socialized medicine. The fact that the country is small but wealthy, allowing Israel to pay $62 a dose compared to the $19.50 the U.S. is paying, and the heavily digitized nature of Israel's healthcare system, heavily digitized. But below the headlines celebrating Israel's vaccination rates lies a far darker story about health inequality. Israel has a population of around 9 million. 20% of Israel's population are Palestinian citizens of Israel. These people can vote in elections, have representation in the Knesset, uh, Knesset and are being vaccinated against COVID, but there are around another 5 million Palestinians who live under Israeli rule or occupation without rights and, like the rest of the world, are suffering from the pandemic. So this gets into the Palestinian uh, issue. They, the, the article basically says that their Palestinians aren't being vaccinated. Well, guess what? If I were a Palestinian, I wouldn't want to be vaccinated either. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I guess, I guess that's one way to to think about it. Now, I also want to cover this briefly because I find this also quite uh, interesting. And I know we've had this discussion uh, before on dual citizens. Uh, this is from February 11th, 2021. Most Russia State Duma members have Israeli citizenship. Moscow Kava. The majority of the Russian Federation deputies have Israeli citizenship. Maria Masakova. Sensational recognition of the opera singer Maria Makasova, which was given to the radio station Echo of Moscow, that despite the legislative prohibition of dual citizenship for the deputy corps and the government of the Russian Federation, the majority of the members of the State Duma of Russia have Israeli citizenship. It is parallel to Russian, and the families of them, of many of them, are citizens of different countries. I would repeat that again for those who um, maybe didn't hear that correctly. Despite the legislative prohibition of dual citizenship for the deputy corps in government of the Russian Federation, the majority of the members of the state Duma of Russia have Israeli citizenship parallel to Russian, and the families of many of them are citizens of different countries. This interview was recorded March 11th, 2017, shortly before the murder of her husband in the center of Kiev. So after she did this interview and made that statement about dual citizenship, dual Israeli citizenship, her husband is murdered. Her husband was Denis Voronenkov, and he was killed in Kiev. <sighs> Jeez. We will remind you that the former state Duma deputies, spouses Maria Maksakova and Denis Voronenkov fled to Ukraine where they asked for political asylum and citizenship. The Ukrainian authorities have complied with the request of former Russian dignitaries and soon on March 23rd of this year, the former deputy of the state Duma of Russia, Denis Voronenkov, was killed in the very center of Kiev.
Interesting. Um, I don't really know uh, what to make of that. It seems like her husband was killed because she called out the dual citizenship, right? What do you guys think of that? Kind of seems creepy, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't like it. Okay. All right. Um, the next thing I want to look at uh, is... Um, this video from No More News, uh, it uh, talks about Takun Alam and um, Israel's vaccination nation. This was uh, Bibi interviewing with Fox and Friends. And, um, you know, within the little banner here, it's like ICC launches a war crimes probe into Israel. And so, of course, they're like trying to change the subject and talk about how great they are with vaccines. We've been watching from afar what you're doing to combat COVID, and the numbers are, it's just amazing what you're doing there. 88% of anyone over the age of 50 has already been vaccinate, vaccinated, and then some 75% of those aged at least 50 year, years old are already eligible for what you call a green pass. How are you getting to this point? What's your advice for the rest of the world? How do we do what you're doing? <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God. That is not, this isn't journalism. This is not like critical thinking at all. This is like cheerleading and, um, you know, being uh, talking heads for the Pentagon and the government. How do we emulate you, your majesty? <laughs> And the, no questions on the green past. This is why Fox disgusts me. Disgusts me. Yeah, you, well, Warchild says, so glad I canceled cable. Exactly. They, they'd never allow a show like mine on cable news. Yeah, right. And there's a reason for that. Well, first of all, it's actually 90 percent of Israelis of uh, all ages above 16 years have been uh, jabbed at least once, and many of them twice, and the others are uh, recovering. So we're very—how can I say this? We're rushing towards herd immunity. Uh, how did we do this? Quick decisions, a tremendous uh, uh, distribution system. Uh, I would say the um, mobilization of the citizenry, they understood that their health and, uh, and their lives are dependent on it. Their health and their lives are dependent on it, to the citizenry. Yeah, because they've been propagandized. They probably do believe that. And you hear the, the one uh, Fox and Friends guy going, wow, <laughs> in the background, really? That's what you have to say when you're listening to something like this is, wow, oh my gosh, the fawning, the bootlicking. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, and uh, 
there's just no they're not going to ask any hard questions. They're not going to talk about, well, you know, the CDC says that the survival rate is 99.8%. Do you think maybe, you know, maybe we're being a little dramatic about something that appears to be a harsh cold. No, that's too much for Fox to do. They can't ask hard or, or pointed questions like that. No, they just have to bootlick and cheerlead for the governments. Uh, so we, yeah, we're very proud of this. I, you know, Israel used to be known and is known as a startup nation. From today, it'll be also known as the vaccination nation. We're, we're setting the model for the world. We're very proud of it. And we're setting the model for the world. We're very proud of it. And remember, the um, bimbo at the beginning of the video said, how can we emulate what you're doing how can we emulate what you're doing? So you know damn well that what that means is they're going to try to rule this out in America, in America, forced vaccinations. He's bragging, bragging about vaccination nation. How disgusting and how embarrassing and we're sharing our experiences with the U.S., uh, with, uh, with every other country. In fact, I've got the prime ministers of Denmark and, uh, and Austria, the chancellor of Austria, mm -hmm. who are coming here today, now, in about 20 minutes. We'll begin uh, a meeting to share Israel's experience so we can benefit other nations, too, as they come out of COVID. The most important thing, two most important things, is get vaccinated as fast as you can and wear masks. Wow, what scum. Get vaccinated as fast as you can, guys, and wear masks. And look at the smug, pompous, arrogant look on his face. How utterly despicable. It's, it's like saying... Well, the first thing you need to do is um, be ready to p pull your pants down and bend over for your anal swab. That'll be the next thing. Everyone knows it. And just look at these three buffoons next to Bibi. The three fawning, cheerleading buffoons that apparently, between the three of them, can't come up with one legitimate question. Not one. This is like a PR thing for Bibi's re-election campaign and to try to distract from the ICC investigation into Israeli war crimes. Do that. You know, it's, it, it's not a political question. This is what has to be done, uh, and it should be done by everyone. Hey, it's, it's your lives. You know, uh, I think that uh, uh, we can get over COVID. We are getting over COVID, and I'm glad to see that many parts of America are already yep. uh, on that side, and uh, keep going. How it's did important. you distribute the shots? Oh, my gosh. How did you distribute it? In Israel, here's the World Economic Forum telling us, in Israel, you need a COVID-19 vaccine pass to visit gyms, theaters, and hotels. 
you get the green pass after two doses of the vaccine. Isn't that nice? Or if you've had COVID-19 and are presumed immune, I don't know what that means, presumed immune, Some venues are using, what are they using? Facial recognition technology. So some venues like gyms, restaurants, they're going to have your personal health data. Are people okay with this? Fox News apparently is. (music) To verify pass holders' identities. Israel has vaccinated almost half of its population. Surprise, you know, yeah, because it's it's a bunch of brainwashed uh, people in in an open air prison. On Sunday, it reopened many sectors to everyone. Right. Uh, Still under COVID restrictions and guidelines. You still have to wear a mask. You still have to social distance. Including malls and leisure facilities. Yeah, who's going to a leisure facility when people haven't been allowed to work for an entire year? But gyms, hotels, and theaters are only open to those who have the green pass, the vaccine pass. Vaccine passports have proved controversial, it says. Yeah, you think? Others say vaccine passports could be discriminatory. You think? Of course. Of course they are. So the Takuna Alam thing is really disturbing, listening to the crap these people say. Um, my goodness. <laughs> Here, look at that from Newsweek. Jews are smartest race in the world and superior humans. <laughs> Israeli lawmaker claims. Okay, no surprise there. Good Lord. Israel's response to COVID aims to heal the world, book states. A new book on the Israeli response to COVID presents how the country's innovation ecosystem has devoted itself to the fight against the disease. Right. Okay. So um, these are uh, Jewish um, people, Israelis, Uh, talking about how they're going to, like, save the world and stuff. Working along with medical teams around the world on the forefront of this fight against the coronavirus, we salute them. We pray for their health and for their success. It is the most likely that Israel indeed will come up with a cure, that it is indeed from Zion that the cure shall come. And this is actually a fulfillment of one of the prophecies about the end of days and the coming of Messiah. So the Messiah already came 2,000 years ago, and you guys demanded that he be crucified. So there's that. 
But, um, you know, this is the thing is that they have their own prophecies um, that are obviously satanic because they're talking about a an antichrist Moshiach that they think is coming to save the world um, and, and like turn them into like rulers of the world where they'll have like slaves and stuff. You can, yeah, that's the thing. You can go read what they, what they say, what Israelis themselves when asked on like man on the street interviews in Israel, when they're asked about like what will happen when Mashiach comes, that's what they think that they're going to be running the world with a earthly worldly ruler, this Mashiach, and that they're all going to have slaves and stuff and everybody will be servants to them. Is that not mm. a racist supremacist ideology? Or, it's demonic. Well, it also sounds like communism. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. the, the promise, the promise <laughs> of communism that they say, it's like, yeah, everyone out there. Oh, by the way, you're going to be the first uh, against the wall yes right i mean come on and unfortunately you know people in israel they're not allowed to like read the new testament they're not even allowed to learn about jesus and um i think it's in the talmud that says that he's boiling an excrement and calls mary his mother a whore even the muslims don't say that about Jesus and Mary. Even the Muslims say that Jesus, they see him as like a prophet, not the son of God, but as a prophet, and they treat him with respect. But they certainly don't say he's boiling in excrement. How disgusting. Isaiah says, in those times... There will be a heightened level of respect for the Jewish people and Israel amongst the nations of the world, expressed by the fact that even those who hate us actually show unwantedly, but have shown their deep admiration for what we could achieve. For what we could achieve. No, that's a uh, bungling of what Isaiah said. He never said that. Isaiah was talking about uh, Christ, the coming of Jesus Christ, whom the Pharisees demanded be crucified. So they're utterly cut off from God, and they persist in that... Um, in that uh, severing of their connection to God. As the prophet Isaiah said, I've made you a light unto the nations, bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. Today, 2,700 years after Isaiah spoke those prophetic words, Israel is becoming a rising power among the nations. He was talking about Christ. Isaiah was talking about Christ. That is the light of the world. Oh, my gosh. And they just, they refuse to see the truth. 
it is this demonic deception where they think it means them. They're the lights of the world. No, sir, you are not. Christ is the light of the world. That's what Isaiah was talking about. And the Jewish prophets even said that the Jewish people had, um, what did they, they cast off all of their blessings and purposefully remove themselves from God. And at long last, its light is shining across the continents, bringing hope and salvation to the ends of the earth. There is a source by a great rabbi called the Nitziv. And the Nitziv was a very respected rabbi in his day, and, but he makes a fascinating understanding of this final battle of Gog and Magog. And he says that actually Gog and Magog may not be a person, but could well be an event. So he's saying a rabbi is has said that this could be that or whatever. Again, they look to men for their religious wisdom. Men, not God, the interpretation of men, rabbis. And they don't even read the Torah anymore. They just read the Talmud and what the rabbis say. It's the same problem that the Pharisees had in the time of Christ. This arrogance about them and this idea that they were holy and could therefore interpret biblical scripture. That's not, and write down their interpretations and books, and that's what the Jewish people read, is rabbis' interpretations, not the direct word of God. Well, it's an interpretation of an interpretation, essentially. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's like it's, a it's game a, of telephone. Exactly, yes, you beat me to it. <laughs> it's that's, So you can see how things would get diluted, but also men have manly ambitions for power, right? They have, uh, there are, you know, things that could cause them to lie, to well, puff about, themselves okay. up. All right, this this is a not a, not no, no way on the level of equivalence. I'm just saying this is an example of how of what what what, what that could be. Think of all the people that have taken just the Q posts and then interpreted them, and then now it's become gospel yes. <laughs> in, in terms of like it's it, it's a it's a, again it's not a really it's it's an example of a real world example of what we're trying to illustrate and what That's they're doing. That's a really good example <laughs> uh, with their uh, predictions of, um, you know, these events that are going to occur on these dates and stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a very good point and a very good uh, analogy for in, in, of what we're dealing with here. An event that is going to affect the entire world. And that's a rare thing, isn't it? I mean, we know that World War I affected a lot of the world and World War II affected even more of the world. However, this event, he says, could affect way more people. And he describes Gog and Magog 
as a magefa, as a pandemic, some kind of disease that is going to spread throughout the world, that is going to baffle scientists, and that is going to last for a long time, and is really going to bring the world to its knees. This magefa, again, I think the only word I can think of to describe this today, and this might great teacher mentioned to me, could well be a pandemic. And why would that be? What is the connection between this battle, right, which according to the Nsib may not actually be a battle, but may be a battle that we need to deal with that is overtaking the entire world. Whether this battle, this disease was started deliberately, which it could well have been, or accidentally, right? Both options remain open, and that's something which we may find out or we may never actually find out. But either way, we're all still dealing with this pandemic that is covering the entire world. So then Siv mentions this idea in his writings that the final battle before the Messiah comes is going to be a pandemic. I mean, this is a very, very... So you can see that they may have a very good reason for trying to create a global pandemic to bring about the coming of Mashiach. There are videos of them dancing around saying, we want Mashiach now. We want him now. Huh. Yeah. Well, and we have learned that they've had to accelerate whatever that they wanted they they were trying to do right so yeah that's right they it seems like they had to accelerate their their plans that i guess perhaps they thought they had more time and then i guess um they decided they didn't you know yeah yeah and i don't know yeah if this guy was any more smug he wouldn't even have his eyes open at all I know. And unfortunately, I mean, I think that like the, that this is how these guys are raised from the time they're kids. They are indoctrinated into this idea that like supremacy. Yeah. It's supremacy that, that, that their religious leaders are like basically walking gods on earth. And it, it's just, you know, they put so much authority into what rabbis say and these people are fallible men. They're, it's not like they're talking about the Bible. No, they're talking about interpretations, prophecies, blah, 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 from rabbis. And, um, you know, I just, the one thing I'll give him credit for was at least he said that maybe that the, the pandemic was created by someone right like a bioweapon or maybe it was it happened on accident so it's you know i don't know if that's like a subtle admission or if he's um at least smart enough to consider that possibility right remarkable uh dare I say, biblical thing that we are seeing. Because the only way of getting out of the situation is only Mashiach. The vaccine is not going to be doing anything, by the way. Don't even think of getting the vaccine. The vaccine is not really a vaccine. It's a biological weapon. And now is not the time to elaborate on that, but it's not a vaccine. It's not a cure. It's to kill everybody. 
to control everybody. They cannot come up with a, with a, with a solution. This is a very uh, known method. This is exactly what Bill Gates did with Microsoft. What did he do? He created a software that the whole world is working on. Now he creates a problem. That problem is called a virus. And then he comes with a solution. It's called the antivirus. Very simple. So they're doing the exact same thing. Uh, I'll give this guy credit too that at least <laughs> he at least is saying that like this is all bullshit. He said that like Bill Gates is just doing like what he did before. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so that's interesting. Now, and the same thing they did also in the last 60, 70, 80 years. They come up with a problem, then we'll come up with a solution. So they, were, they came up with a problem with, with, with horrible food that is not even food. It's genetically modified, causes people to be sick. I will come up with a cure, I'll give you the medication. I will make you depressed with chemicals and radiation and many other methods. Now I will give you the, the solution, we'll give you antidepressants. And so he seems to also understand like the, the dialectic, the Hegelian dialectic, the problem reaction solution type thing. So, you know, that's interesting. That's how it works in, uh, in any field. So the bottom line is that the only way out is only the coming of Mashiach. Well, but that's where he gets it wrong at the end. Um, no, the only way out is Christ, is Jesus Christ. But uh, I will give that guy credit for at least kind of seeing part of the issue here. Um, you know, uh, he at least had a good understanding of like some of the problems and how they do things. Like they make everybody sick, they genetically modify our foods, then they sell us like, pharmaceuticals to to treat the sickness they create but um at the end there i mean i wish that guy would come to to know jesus and i'm hoping that uh that's what ends up happening is that god will use this this stuff that's happening there to bring these people to christ that is my hope and we should all be praying for that so um, just to show everybody uh, here, um, this is the Jewish journal and saying why we need a, a bigger, deeper tikkun alam. This is, again, this, this uh, supremacist ideology of the Jewish people making the world a better and more just place through deeds and political engagement to repair the world with a special and implied emphasis on what? Social justice, social justice. So, um, yeah, they believe that they are special and superior and that they have some duty to go around the world engaging in politics and trying to change the world into their image of what they think is good or just. So if you wonder why Jewish groups and Jewish people promote massive third world immigration into Europe and America, this is why. Because they think that they are healing the world through good deeds and making things just. Who cares if it leads to genocide of uh, an entire group of the people that founded Western civilization. I'm, this is the, uh, the arrogance of these people, you know? Um, and 
but they do not advocate for massive third world immigration to Israel. Israel has a wall. They don't allow that kind of immigration. You can only immigrate to Israel if you are ethnically Jewish. Um, and the same Jewish organizations and activists protest against America having a wall, but not Israel. Israel's allowed to have one, we're not. So I want people to, to consider that this is a supremacist ideology, and it's also political action. It's like we were talking about earlier with like political Islam. They're using a so-called religion to promote what is actually a political um, movement, a political goal. Um, so I, I hope everybody understands that. Now, this is an article written by a Jewish activist named Paul Eisen. Uh, he wrote this back in 2004. It's called Jewish Power. It's a very long um, article, but it's, I think, a very valuable article because he touches on a lot of things that um, I think are uh, important and I think a lot of uh, other Jewish people need to know. So Paul Eisen, a Jewish person himself, wrote the article, Jewish Power, and it begins, the crime against the Palestinian people is being committed by a Jewish state with Jewish soldiers using weapons displaying Jewish religious symbols and with the full support and complicity of the overwhelming mass of organized Jews worldwide. But to name Jews as responsible for this crime seems impossible to do. And I think one of the things that he was angry about is that they're, um, they're putting they're using Jewish symbols and kind of waging war on people in the name of all Jewish people. And not all of them agree with this stuff. The future is always open and nothing can ever be ruled out. But for now, it's hard to see how Israel can be stopped. After over 50 years, it is clear that Israel will only relinquish its eliminationist attitude to Palestinians and Palestinian life when it has to. This need not be through military action, but it is hard to see how anything else will do. The conventional wisdom that if America turned off the tap, uh, Israel would be brought to its knees is far from proven. First, it's not going to happen. America apparently just keeps that going. Second, those who believe it may well be underestimating both the cohesiveness of Israeli society and the force of Jewish history, which permeates it. Even more unlikely is the military option. The only force on earth which could possibly confront Israel is the American military. And again, that is not going to happen. And even if America did turn off the tap, what do we already see happening? Israel is already working with Russia and China. And in fact, in recent, um, in recent months, they've put out articles saying maybe we should get all our defense gear. Maybe we should buy it from Russia instead of the U.S., so they are basically turning their backs on America anyway. Palestinian resistance has been astonishing. 
after almost 50 years of brutal assault by what may well one day be seen as one of the most ruthless and irrational powers of modern times. And with just about every power on earth range against them, Palestinians are still with us, but uh, still steadfast, still knowing who they are and where they come from. Nonetheless, for the time being, effective resistance may be over, though the possibility of organized nonviolent resistance can never be ruled out. And for now, the only strategy open may be no more than one for survival. For us, it is so much easier to deny this reality than to accept it. And doubtless the struggle will continue. How fruitful this will be, no one can say. Although the present seems hopeless, survival is still vital, and no one knows when new opportunities may arise. Anyway, to struggle against injustice is always worth doing. But what if the struggle becomes so delusional that it inhibits rather than advances resistance? What if the struggle becomes a way of avoiding rather than confronting reality? Those slogans end the occupation and two states for two peoples are now joined by a new slogan, the one state solution. This is every bit as fantastic as its predecessors because just as there was never going to be an end to the occupation nor a real Palestinian state, so for now there is no possibility of any one state other than the state of Israel, which now stretches from the Mediterranean Sea to the Jordan River. And the only solution, quote unquote, is a final solution. And even that cannot be ruled out what he's actually doing here is he uh, this jewish guy is is comparing israeli treatment of palestinians to the nazis treatment of the jews he's saying that they're never going to end their occupation and they're never going to give them their own uh, state where they have autonomy again right and that they may in fact it may end with a final solution. So he's actually comparing the Israeli state to the Nazi regime. And then he has this quote here, Zionism is not Judaism and Judaism is not Zionism. The crime against the Palestinian people is being committed by a Jewish state with Jewish soldiers using Jewish weapons with Jewish religious symbols all over them. And with the full support and complicity of the overwhelming mass of organized Jews worldwide. But to name Jews as responsible for this crime seems impossible to do. The past is just too terrible. All of us know of the hatred and violence to which accusations against Jews have led in the past. Also, if we were to examine critically the rule of Jews in this conflict, what would that become of us and of our struggle? Would we be labeled anti-Semites and lose much of the support that we've worked so hard to gain? The present, too, is full of ambiguities. Zionism isn't Judaism. Judaism isn't Zionism. Has and you see a- that mm-hmm. kind of activism in that community as well, right? You see that mm-hmm. um, even even here or even, even there. Well, I don't know how much to the extent of there, um, <laughs> how much that would be not allowed. I don't know. Is that not allowed over there? I, I haven't seen it, but I've not seen really. a, definitely a lot of photographs of people in New York 
for sure, yeah. you know, of, of, of that community. Uh, yes. You know, this, this, you know, the same, the same community, I think probably where they were welding gates shut for parks and things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, this, I think it was the same like general community. Yeah. York. Yep, very, act, so. very, you know, very activist type of community, right? Yeah. Um, so you, you get a lot of that imagery, but yeah, it's, and you see that with the acceptance of, well, I don't know, acceptance of, or at least tolerance of um, the uh, Christian Zionists. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, we're basically at the top of the uh, hour here. Um so I encourage you guys to um, read this uh, for yourself. It is in your show prep. Perhaps we'll, we'll pick up on this more uh, next week. Um, I do think it is important because this article gets into some of the, um, the complexities of the issue because it isn't really like a black and white thing. Um, and too often uh it it becomes that when we try to to talk about that problem you know of, of the way that um they're being treated there and so i i liked it because it's written from a very smart and historical perspective so um i wanted to include that in there uh okay we're going to be passing it over to coach clay and i 70 hello how are hello. you guys <laughs> great how are you guys doing good show Thank you. We're doing all right. We're Good hoping, week so far. Hoping we don't get the freaking vaccine passports here. That's what we're hoping yeah. for. Exactly. Nice, yeah. nice. I'm packing. I'm getting ready to head down to the Flynn fundraiser. What? Nice. Yeah. Check out Florida for a little bit. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, have to take pictures if you can. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I got it yeah. all hooked up. Oh, that's awesome. Um, just a reminder for folks. Uh, remember on um, on the, the 9th, uh, Steve Bannon's daughter is going to be going on the Common Sense Show to talk about the Equality Act. You guys aren't going to want to miss that. So just keep, put that on your calendars. Make sure you try to remember and tune into that because that should be very interesting. All righty. How you doing, Coach Clay? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. I think they're definitely going to try to push those vaccine passports in every single country they definitely can. Uh, nope. And uh, it's they're going to push their agenda until we take it to the courts in, in lawsuits, civilly, criminally, in every other way. I mean, there is a bunch of scientists and lawyers over in Europe right now that are looking to um, apply to the Nuremberg trials again. So yes, that, that, that's right. We get into oh that stuff folks, and, and they definitely don't want to go there. So they think that there's enough of a population in each country that they can uh, uh, spin this narrative their way. And uh, the, the shills out there, the, the Karens and the Chads will, will squawk loud enough to silence all the other people that don't want any experimental vaccination be jabbed into them. Right. Yeah. Think about like the Geneva convention and the sort of things that were after world war two supposed to be agreed upon by all of the signatories of that, which was no um, medical tyranny, right? You can't like forcibly vaccinate people. People are allowed to have bodily autonomy, all of these things that, you know, supposedly we fought a war for a world war. Nope. 
just thrown out the window now. I guess they think people won't remember this stuff. I That's what I think it is. They think that people's memories are so uh, short-term that people don't remember that stuff. They'll just crank up the whatever machine they got to 11 that messes with our memories. They'll be like, yeah, they can't find no. a way to work, but at least they're not mad at us anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you guys have a good night. Good yep, night. Have a great night. Guys. Great weekend, guys. Yeah, have a great weekend. All right, Coach. Good to see you. Good to see you as well on this fine Friday evening, my friend. And uh, yes, let's. Uh, shall we get things going? Yep, let's do it. Let's well, get let's it started. It. Okay. Live chat is ready. All right, live chat. We will be right with you after this. Thank <laughs> you.